Hey, Cloudcast community, listen up. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring and analytics platform. Datadog was built to bring clarity to complex, dynamic applications, whether they're in the cloud, on-prem, in containers, or wherever you run your applications. With powerful dashboards, seamless integrations, and more than 250 technologies they can monitor, Datadog has you covered. Whether it's AWS, Azure, or Google services, your popular open source projects and products, or web security and APIs, Datadog can help you monitor them and help you collaborate around troubleshooting them and make sure they're running great. Datadog provides deep end-to-end visibility into the health and performance of modern applications. So try it yourself. Get yourself a free 14-day trial. Go to datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast to try out your free 14-day trial. And if you try it out, let them know your friends at Cloudcast sent you, and they'll send you a great, uh, wonderful, soft, awesome t-shirt with the Datadog logo on it. I wear mine all the time. So once again, that's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. Thanks for listening, and here comes the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to The Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Guess what, boys and girls? It's both of us, Aaron. Good to have you back on the show. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This this is my first uh, first time kind of doing the uh, the news segment up front. That's right, that's right. So uh, you know, for folks that have been listening the last couple of weeks, we've been we've been doing a news section, the uh, cloud news of the week. Um, really, one topic that we're going to talk about this week, uh, which I think surprised some people. Um, you know. If you've been following the industry, maybe it doesn't surprise you completely, but I think aspects of it will be very surprising. So, uh, Aaron, the news of the week is that Google has uh, – well, l- let me phrase this the way that it was written. Uh, Diane Green has stepped down as CEO or president of uh, the Google Cloud Platform, and Google has decided to hire Thomas Kurian, who was previously president and ran engineering for Oracle. So thoughts on the news of uh, Diane Green no longer at Google and uh, an, an Oracle person running Google Cloud? Yeah. So, oh, man. Um, so first of all, it's interesting because Diane Green probably came into a very different culture uh, and and Kurian is going to come into a very different culture, right? A, the Oracle culture historically and the Google culture historically. And so I, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's yeah, they didn't get the results they wanted maybe and they decided to make a change, but then they made a change with somebody who was a lot like the person they're replacing. Um so that's my 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 early take on it is I, I kind of scratch my head and go, huh, was that really gonna change anything? I guess we'll see. Yeah, that that seemed to be sort of the general consensus I saw from the Twitterverse and some of the early news articles was just a um I, I think it was the realization of like, hey, Google Google has a very unique culture. Uh, Google Cloud is sort of an extension of the Google culture, but you know, there's it's not exactly the Google culture because it's a little different, right? You have they're they're interacting with with end users as opposed to just delivering services. I I'm sort of surprised that Google, after Diane, you know, was was quote unquote an outsider, that they didn't look internally and say, hey, you know, maybe some of our things that are you know working or maybe you know need to work better uh, is is partially a culture thing. So it sounds like they don't think it's necessarily a culture thing. Um, you know, Diane sort of said in her uh, in her final blog that you know she had sort of set a time limit on how long she wanted to be to, to do this. It's you know it's a big job. It's a lot of t- you know it's hard on the family. And um, but uh, but yeah, it it will be very interesting because I, I think. Of all the things that we hear from from people in terms of their complaints about the Google Cloud, um, 
you know, technology is rarely one of them. Um, it really is typically around just interacting with Google. And it's just not something that's like any other tech vendor. Um, it's not like any other IT vendor. Um, and, you know, if you asked most people how much they loved working with Google, or I'm sorry, working with Oracle, that was never positive. So, you know, you put those two things together and it's like, okay, how, how is that going to work? You know, are, are you solving a problem that right. you have or, yep. or are you just saying like, oh, people say we're not enterprisey enough. So let's go find the, the best enterprise person available. Type yeah. Of and, and, and two quick data points too. So, so good friend of the show over the years, Sam Ramji um, was, went, went to Google um, as, as VP once upon a time. And, and we, you know, we were just kind of talking offline and, and, you know, he he did make the comment of they they don't do a lot of hiring externally at those you know higher levels within the companies and so yeah that, I just second it's slightly surprising but then also the 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 Korean comment I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know this or not but but um, he's actually a twin George Korean uh, uh, his his twin brother runs uh, NetApp so right. he's the CEO at NetApp and and you know I just looked right now NetApp is currently a, about a seventeen billion dollar evaluation and so how 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 much does this suck for you when you're like the president of Oracle and you're coming over to run all of Google Cloud and you're still the disappointing brother at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, yeah, we're, we're going to mention that show's going to drop just before Thanksgiving. So yeah, that that has got to be a really interesting thing because you know when he was when he was at Oracle, they were pro- he was probably the the more successful brother, and now he's the he's the one that's trying to know, maybe catch up. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So if anybody's got live feed from the Korean uh, household, that would be that would be sort of interesting. So we don't uh, we don't we don't mean to make fun. We we really I, I think I think if anybody asks us our opinion about the the three cloud providers, it, it's always you know we have some. Uh, sometimes some feedback technically or, you know, what it's like to interact with them. But I think we've always said the the best thing the market could have is a healthy, robust set of competition between Amazon, Google, Azure, Alibaba, you know, maybe a fourth or a fifth, an Oracle or an IBM or or an upstart because it, it, it helps. It helps the market. It brings prices to a, a price point. You don't have the 800-pound gorilla. So, uh, you know, I, I hope Google has made a good choice. I hope they they prove a lot of people wrong because I think it's good for the market that 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 does that. But uh, I think it's going to be a while before we figure out um, if this was the right choice or not. Agreed. Absolutely. So, with that, we're going to wrap up Cloud News of the Week. As always, thank you to Datadog for, for sponsoring this segment. And uh, folks, if you haven't been out to the Datadog site, go out, take a look at it. Uh, the link is in the show note, and uh, we appreciate them being a sponsor. So with that, let's get on to our interview. Okay, let's do this. Aaron, we have got a full house today. Not only do we have the two of us, which has been the first time in in a long time. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, I was actually just thinking, when is the last time we've both been on the show? It's been months. I know. The joys of of a podcast and work travel and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, so not only do we have the two of us, which is going to confuse people with the voices a little bit, but uh, we've got two great guests. So um, we're very, very lucky. You know, we, we talk a lot about the technology behind the scenes, the things that move bits, the things that support applications and, um, you know, kind of core technology sometimes, but we don't always talk enough about some of the technologies that really help, uh, you know, shape culture, uh, shape, help collaboration, um, help companies be really efficient in what they do. And so today, very, very excited to have, um, you know, as, as we do a lot, a uh, really exciting new startup company. Uh, we've got both Kurt Schrader, who is the founder and CEO, and, and Mitch Wainer, who is the chief marketing officer of a new company called Clubhouse. And uh, Kurt and Mitch, welcome to the show. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and, and a little bit about what motivated you guys to start Clubhouse. For sure, yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. Um, so this is Kurt. Uh, I 
We started Clubhouse, uh, my co-founder Andrew and I, three or four years ago to try to solve sort of the problem uh, that we had where we, we, we I, I've been running engineering teams for many years, watch them grow and eventually get to the point where nobody really knows what's going on. You see a lot of segmentation across the teams, you know, teams sort of get in their own silos and, and it, it gets harder and harder uh, to see not just across the engineering teams what's going on, but across all the teams in an organization and how all those teams need to come together. And, and from my point of view, it felt like we needed new tools to help us uh, give us give uh, across the company better vision, visibility into not just building and, and planning software, but all the different pieces from marketing to sales, uh, uh, everything that you need to do in today's environment where you're doing deploys or pushing software out the door 20, 30 times a day sometimes. You know, how, how do you how do you include everybody? How do you make sure we've updated this piece? How does the marketing team, how does the support team, how does everybody know, right? So we tried to build a tool uh, to help organize engineering and product teams, but also uh, include the rest of the company so you can sort of see what happens and people feel comfortable and safe coming in and, and understanding what's happening and also contributing as, as software development continues to sort of increase its speed and, and as, to get things out the door. Yeah, nice. And and so you guys have really interesting backgrounds too. So so tell us just a little bit more about, you know, prior to this, um you, some of the diverse backgrounds you both have um and then we'll kind of dig into the problems uh Clubhouse solves. Sure, yeah. Um my background, I, I was CTO at a company here in New York, an ad tech company called Intent Media. I uh, started with about 5 of us, grew to about 150 people when I left. Uh, I built the engineering team there. It was about a third of the company. Before that, for a long time, I was a, a consultant. Uh, I worked at places everywhere from uh, big places like The Gap, uh, a bank in Cleveland for a couple of years. Uh, I was at GM for a little bit of time, uh, all the way down to smaller startups. So ad tech startups, a bioinformatics startup for a while. So I've sort of been all over and, and run engineering teams at, at, at all sizes of organizations. This is kind of my background. Hey, so this is uh, this is Mitch Mitch Weiner. Um, so uh, before I, I jumped into the startup world, um, I started out um, as a as a web developer in my career, and then shifted into marketing later on. Um, so um, being a web developer myself, you know, I, I you know knew the pain points that a lot of you know developers feel when when using you know complex tools in the market. Um, and so I uh, co-founded uh, Cloud Infrastructure as a service company based here in New York called DigitalOcean. It's about a 500-person organization now, um, generating north of 200 million in revenue, uh, revenues per year, uh, with over a million developer accounts on the platform. So, um, you know, scaled that business from the ground up. Was there for six years, and you know, met Kurt through uh, an intro through Battery Ventures, and just you know. Saw a lot of similarities, uh, you know, between DigitalOcean and Clubhouse in terms of, you know, building a product that developers love using and just seeing so much love in the market for, um, you know, what they what they've created um, and, you know, really focusing on like the end user experience and, you know, building a, a product that is that is simple, intuitive, but still powerful to, you know, enable um, software development at scale. And so I got really excited about that. It's a, you know, um, big reason why I'm here is because I want to help, you know, tell that story and, and, um, you know, to help shape the the brand and, and also build a community and give back to the community in a lot of different ways to, um, you know, support, 
uh, you know, developers and, and product leaders as they, as they build software. So that's what I'm super passionate about. And um, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, we're, um, we're now over a thousand organizations. This company has grown via word of mouth to date with no marketing, no sales. It's just, you know, it's a product that has sold itself, um, which is, which is truly incredible. It kind of speaks to, you know, how well this product is built and, um, you know, Kurt Andrews have done a tremendous job, um, you know, building a fantastic team here. And, um, you know, we're, we have a lot of exciting features and, and products coming down the pipe in, in, in the near future. Yeah. And, and tell us a little bit before we dig into that, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what, what it's like to do a startup um, not in Silicon Valley, because we talked to so many startups that are based in the valley but but you know you both have some experience this isn't you know your first go round for either of you um but but you know doing venture capital and dealing with venture capital and, and dealing with a you know completely different talent pool and and just at times completely different cultures you know it's kind of hard to maybe contrast against something you you don't you know haven't lived in day in and day out but just tell us a little bit about the new york city scene yeah so i, I I actually, I've been back in New York for about 10, 10 or so years now. Before that, I was in San Francisco for four years. Um, so I came back here to do my last company and, and uh, obviously uh, decided to stay here to do Clubhouse. Um, and, and I think it's, it's a you know, really interesting contrast. When I was in, in San Francisco, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's tech all the time. Anywhere you go in San Francisco, you go to a bar, you go to a restaurant, it's just, and, and, you know, a lot of the Bay Area at this point, uh, you know, just constant sort of, you know, uh, let's talk about tech. The person next to you is talking about tech. Somebody's doing a deal. I was just out there a couple of weeks ago in, in Palo Alto, and I listened to the angel investors at the coffee shop at the table next to me, you know, make a deal, right? Uh, so, I mean, that's one thing. Like New York and, and I think a lot of other places give you sort of a breadth of sort of experience, Uh which for a tool like what we're building, uh, you know, has, has been super helpful. We've been able to hire people from different backgrounds. You get a lot of different points of view. And I think that's been super helpful uh, as we've sort of grown here. Uh, but the other thing, yeah, I mean, when I came back 10 years ago, uh, you know, it was kind of like, how are we even going to hire one engineer? And over the last 10 years in New York, especially, We've seen a real sea change there. I think there are seven, eight thousand startups in New York now versus, I don't know, maybe a hundred when we started our last companies. Uh, uh, and, you know, when I got back, it was like, where are we going to hire? What kind of startups, you know, exist in New York? It was like, well, I don't Bloomberg, right? Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything like uh, what I had just dealt with. So um, I think New York has, uh, I'm, uh, we'll never catch up to Silicon Valley, but there's, there's just a wide, um, a lot of people here now doing a lot of startup things. And I think the other interesting thing is just, uh, you know, from the, from the New York perspective, especially, and, and probably a lot of places, right. I, I think there's a lot of reasons, good reasons that people don't want to live in San Francisco Bay area. It's expensive. It's expensive here too, but you get kind of a different, you know, uh, level of experience. Right. Um, we also, you know, have, have a distributed team and have people everywhere from, uh, Rome to two people on the West Coast, Seattle, San Francisco. Uh, 
so I think as we've grown, uh, you know, first of all, there, there are people who, you know, really want to live in New York. Like that's been a, a good draw for us. Uh, we haven't constrained ourselves to New York sort of by design to, so we can sort of find and hire the best people. Um, but, you know, at this point, you, you kind of lose that, that never-ending drumbeat of uh, just people talking about technology all the time in San Francisco. But I think at this point, people realize, uh, you know, there's, there's great, great talent everywhere. You know, there's a lot of good reasons to live other places. And I, I think in the long term, that's, that'll help us sort of win and come out ahead. Yeah, very, very cool. You know, for, for anybody who's a longtime listener to the show, they may have picked up on, on Mitch's voice. Mitch was a, a guest, a Cloudcast alum back in 2016 when he was with DigitalOcean. So good good to have uh, alumni back on the show and, and see people going into new areas and, and new things. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the Clubhouse platform. Um, obviously, you know, at a high level, it's designed to help, like you mentioned, uh, developers, um, you know, build software more efficiently, collaborate more, uh, bring in additional groups to, into that process, have visibility. W- what did you guys see before you started the platform? You know, y- there's lots of other tools out there that people use everything from, you know, Trello boards and Kanban and different tools for how you manage projects. W- what did you f- feel like was sort of fundamentally broken in the software development collaboration process? And what, you know, what, what's really core to Clubhouse that, that tries to fix some of those things? Well, I think I, you know, having run a lot of engineering teams over the years uh, and, and used, you know, pretty much every tool on the market, I, I think there, there are a few things we saw. I mean, one, one thing, you know, fundamentally is that I think a lot of these tools, uh, people really... Uh, don't like using, you know, they can be slow, it's old software, bloated. And just from an engineering side perspective, uh, you know, just uh, making your engineering and product team unhappy never seems like a, a great uh, goal there. So I think that when we started to, to hack around this a few years ago, um, Slack had just come out, uh, you know, it showed us that sort of, if you can build a tool that people really like and love using, uh, you know, it, it, it'll really improve sort of their day-to-day life tools that you sort of have to deal with every day. Um, but the other piece there is just sort of, uh, you know, when you get to a certain size, uh, you know, you in my experience, in a lot of places, you, you lock a lot of these tools down um, and, and say, you know, okay, only the engineers can touch this or, or this piece is only for, uh, you know, this team, nobody else do anything. So you kind of don't have a lot of safety uh, you know, things can go wrong. You don't know what happened. Uh, but on, on top of that, the, the other parts of the organization, as, as organizations grow, tend to lose visibility into what's going on, right? Either because, you know, if you tell someone, hey, just go, go look at this Jira project, they're not going to be able to understand and parse that if, unless they have a lot of context. So, so what we try to do from the very beginning is sort of provide additional levels of abstraction sort of up. So if you, if you say these are the five big, priorities for our organization this quarter, you should be able to go in and just sort of see progress against those. Uh, And then if you want to dive into the details, you can, but ultimately if you're just seeing a bunch of tickets, right, it's not going to tell you how things are progressing there. You need to be able to pull back and and see uh, what's happening there. And I think the final thing is to that point of, you know, the rest of the organization losing context, there there are a lot of people that should be involved in this, right? You have to, uh, be able to have your engineering team, your marketing team, your product team, your sales team, your DevOps team, 
all those different pieces you have to be able to say, all right, one of those big priorities is X. Like, how's that going? Like, all I care about is X this quarter. How do I zoom to that, see what's happening, understand, you know, if I'm a product marketer, when this looks like it's going to go out the door, because, you know, I don't, in, in all the organizations I've worked in for the last 10, 15 years, we don't do, you know, release version 2.0. We do releasing stuff every day, right? And you have, there's a lot of moving pieces uh, to make sure uh, everything's sort of, uh, put together so that when when that when that feature or whatever you're working on goes out the door, you know the everything from the help desk gets updated to people that need to you know training can get kicked off for people that need it. All, all the different pieces there, and 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 being able to sort of track all those different pieces in one place and make sure you can see it, I think I think has been a huge win for us and a lot of uh, people that are using Clubhouse currently. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, so you mentioned a lot of moving parts and you mentioned things like Slack and some of these other tools. And, you know, one thing uh, I've certainly noticed over the years is this trend of, you know, a lot of tools get adopted at least initially, or, um, you know, a lot of tools just have really, really deep roots and, and a lot of traction. And and so, you know, developers can be a little, you know, finicky in their, their, their taste of their tools sometimes and really kind of grab hold and gravitate towards some and then maybe just reject others extremely quickly. And so how are you handling that, that kind of workflow or, or fitting seamlessly into the workflow? Is, is it like, you're trying to solve some really unique problems is it you're trying to work with as many other tools that are out there to fit in as easily as you can like what's been your approach to try and make sure everyone you know adopts it and is happy with this yeah i think sort of our baseline there is uh keeping keeping developers happy like most of the most of the company here a lot of the early company especially came from an engineering background um and i think we, we want we want, really want people ultimately or developers to think of uh, of, of Clubhouse as the developer tool. Uh, I think a lot of other tools are seen as sort of uh, manager tools, right? Like you can use them to sort of command and control your team on certain levels. But we want uh, engineers and developers to work where they want to work, right? So one of the first things we built uh, was what at the time I think was probably one of the most sophisticated GitHub integrations where you could... Uh, just, you know, you can do your work in GitHub. It's very easy to hook the work you're doing back to Clubhouse. And, you know, as you worked, as you open pull requests, as you, you know, put things in code review, you could just set up triggers so everything moved along. And, and I know some other tools do that now, but uh, a few years ago, I think we were the first one to sort of take that and say, look, we know that you, you don't want to be in this tool every day. You don't want to spend every morning sort of like updating your status, right? So how can we get closer to, to where you're working at and let, let make it easy for you to work that way. And we're actually revamping that and, and, and revamping some Slack integrations. You can drive it from Slack if you want to work from Slack. From our perspective, uh, you know, having good data and, and being able to sort of very quickly focus in and, and see the status of things when you need it, but not, not make it a chore as much as possible where you have to go in and update things and, and, and do things like that day to day. Um, but I think the other piece there too is like, we have sort of a relentless focus on making sure that things are, are fast. You always have an up-to-date view of the world, but you don't waste your time. And I think that's been a big win for us compared to a lot of other tools out there. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you guys are kind of a unique story in that, like you said, you know, over a thousand organizations now using the platform. I mean, like literally, you know, limited to no marketing, all word of mouth, all, you know, driven uh, organically, you know, for folks that, that might go, 
gosh, a thousand customers. I feel like I'm out of the loop. I hadn't heard of Clubhouse. Give us a kind of a walkthrough of, you know, what is the day of the life of of an organization that's looking, you know, that's that's using Clubhouse look like? You know, walk us through what what does a developer do and and how do you make their life easier? And then how do you maybe make, uh, you know, somebody in in a non-developer thing kind of fit into that? You know, kind of walk us through maybe what some of the key integrations are or just some of the things that you do automatically that people just kind of love and what's helped you grow the business. Yeah, totally. I mean, one thing that we we do that I don't think really any other tool has, has a real equivalent of is is we have a concept called called spaces where you can uh, basically zoom into a focused set of teams and projects and uh, epics and stories and things that you're working on, right, or your team is working on. So I think for a lot of teams, the first thing they do is 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 go in, they, they, they choose their space that can be shared across the entire organization. And that just gives them a view of the world that they're working on. Um, and if you're a developer, uh, say, a lot of your day is just, you know, picking up the next thing off the top of the stack and, and getting to work on it or continuing to work on things, right? And, and that's just, uh, you know, reading through, maybe putting some comments in that will, uh, you know, either ping people through Slack or email or, or through our mobile app, however they have notifications set up. But, you know, it, it's have the conversation and, and then and then basically, you know, go back to the tools that, you know, you know, check out the code, create a branch, whatever it is, and, and continue to work uh, on that. Uh, same thing, you know, we, product managers, same thing, you know, make dive into the space that represents the work you're working on, make sure things are organized, uh, make sure you can see how things are moving, uh, you know, all the way up to uh, marketing people. We, we, we sort of the core concept of... Uh, Clubhouse is a story, like an agile story. Um, A lot of teams will have their marketing team in there. They'll have their own stories that that sort of track and and are dependent upon uh, the the engineering stories and the the testing that occurs and things like that, right? But, uh, you know, your daily interaction with Clubhouse is is sort of diving in, seeing what work has been done, uh, picking up what it is that you need to work on, and and then, you know, going back to your tools and working on it. But, But letting everybody sort of see the progress uh, you know, see how things are going is, is sort of the key interaction there that people have, you know, many times a day. And what is um, kind of we're, we're up against the end of time here, but so quick final question, you know, with as many customers as, as you have, you know, everyone tends to have those unexpected um consequences or unexpected ways to use it is is there any like interesting stories of things that have been lessons learned as you've built everything up or or maybe a a feature that that ended up being more popular or something you didn't anticipate necessarily from day one yeah i mean um i think you know as we built uh and, and we thought about sort of how to pull together teams uh this this concept of a space that I've brought up a couple times that sort of brings everybody together to build things. Uh, at first was kind of like, ah, oh, we just, let's just throw this in here. It was actually something somebody threw together on the front end. It's just, I need to be able to have visibility across all these teams and, you know, there's no easy way to do it. And, and we just kind of, you know, tossed it in early on. Um, and we realized pretty quickly what we had sort of uh, put together and, and, and happened upon uh, and it's, it's been a, a great surprise that, you know, we have companies of, of several hundred users that are using, you know, Clubhouse in, in one workspace. And, you know, we go talk to them and they have a bunch of spaces and say, oh, well, the, you know, this 
this, this squad, you know, is working on this and they just zoom in and they, you know, instead of the thousand, you know, stories or tickets that you would have normally in a thing, they only see these like 30 things and this is how they organize themselves. So, um, uh, you know, it, it was something that it was solving a problem that we had. And I don't think when we originally built it in there, we, 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 we would have ever guessed like how much it's resonated and how, how much, how, how well it's gone and how well it's worked for a lot of teams. So uh, it's really become, uh, you know, really part of the core of, of things that, that people really find valuable on Clubhouse over time. Yeah. Let, let me, uh, Aaron said he was going to ask you one last question. I had one other thing that, that popped into my mind. I was, I was kind of looking through your list of customers and it, uh, something dawned on me. I was listening to an interview with a guy named John Chambers who had run Cisco for a long time. And he was talking about, you know, how a lot of big companies have reached kind of the plateau of, of how much they can add people and, and be productive. And so a lot of new productivity, a lot of new ideas are going to come out of startups. Obviously that's happened for a long time, but a lot of your customers are essentially startups. Do you, do you find that, you know, that the startup, not just the startup community, but sort of distributed companies, smaller companies with, you know, have to do everything to compete against larger companies, that you're giving them kind of a unique advantage because you didn't build siloed tools. You built these integrated tools that give everybody visibility and, and kind of help them compete like a big company. Do you hear that sort of feedback somewhat? Yeah, I think we hear that, um, you know, companies want to move faster, right? Like a lot of our companies, uh, or excuse me, customers, you know, really uh, are trying to move as fast as they can to compete with big, big companies. And you, everything from, you know, little startups to companies like Elastic. Elastic is, you know, a big public company. They have almost their entire engineering team running on Clubhouse at this point from what we hear, or at least a, a fairly big portion of it. Uh, and they move from from another tool, which, you know, will remain nameless, but uh, they, they, they just wanted to move faster and they wanted to make it easier to communicate and they are a distributed company and, you know, they don't have, you know, a big boardroom where everybody sits down and every day and, you know, sinks on all of this stuff. Right. So you have to have, you know, especially for a company like that, where it's a 24 hour a day company around the world, you have to be able to, uh, you know, see the progress, you know, you, you can't have, you know, your marketing team sitting next to the engineering team working on things. Right. It has to be, communicated asynchronously and, and and it has to be done in a way where people go in, use it, make sure it's up to date. Uh, and, and there can't just be a, you know, constant sync points because nothing would ever happen if that was the case. Right. So uh, yeah, totally. I, I think, and, and like I said, we're also a distributed company. So we're also a, a test case for some of this stuff and it's, it's definitely help us continue forward. And another, another startup to mention that uses clubhouse uh, company in, in Atlanta, Georgia, um, uh, uh, called full, full story. Um, so they, um, basically record, uh, uh, sessions, uh, within, uh, their, their, uh, customers product. Um, and, uh, so they're like a, a product usage tool and their, their whole company has now adopted clubhouse to, um, organize their, their projects and organize their, you know, you know, software, uh, development efforts and, you know, the, the CEO um, has has said to us several times how much, you know, he loves Clubhouse to like have a bird's eye view of like what's happening across the organization. And just, you know, there's, uh, you know, we feel like we've, we've kind of hit this sweet spot of, you know, finding the perfect balance between simplicity and, and flexibility for uh, engineering teams where, 
you know, we're able to bring everyone in the organization together, um, you know, to build better products. And, you know, we, we believe that, you know, we're, we're the first uh, project management platform to achieve this in, in our space. Very cool. Nice. Yep. And, it, you know, it was funny when you mentioned the constant sync points, you know, I, I swear I've worked for those companies already. So no, I, <laughs> I share that pain without a doubt. Um, so, so Kurt and Mitch, thank you very much for your time. I, I think that kind of wraps it up uh, for this week. Uh, um, where can everyone uh, find out more uh, about Clubhouse and, and, and uh, you know, dig more into the product and, and follow y'all as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, we are, we're at clubhouse.io is our website. Um, on Twitter, uh, I'm just Kurt, K-U-R-T, so easy to find. Oh, wow. You were early to get that one. <laughs> I, I think I was at the – one of the advantages of living in Silicon Valley, I think I was at the meeting where they launched it publicly the first time. <laughs> nice. That's how I got it. Uh, That's a badge of honor right there, man. Hey, you know, I'm – we, there's probably a whole podcast about Twitter we could have too. Uh, and and Mitch, uh, yeah, it's just at Mitch Weiner. You can shoot me a, a, a tweet, and I'll, uh, I'll definitely respond. And um, you can also follow Clubhouse on Twitter at Clubhouse. Nice. Very cool. Well, listen, Kurt and Mitch, thanks you guys for for the time. Uh, great to get the word out to uh, to our listeners about uh, about Clubhouse, about it being out there. Um, you know, folks, you're now the the thousand and one person who've heard about this. Um, go try it out. Uh, lots of different uh, you know ways you can try out the platform. But guys, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks for the conversation. And uh, folks, as always, thanks for listening this week. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 